to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. So we're going to be talking about I don't know, what do you think we'll be talking about? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, imagine a life without any energy source. As a matter of fact, when you study in the past, civilization is always associated with human beings being able to generate power. That's why they will say those were the first to learn how to use fire. At the moment fire got introduced, it meant people could make better weapons. It meant people could start brine. It meant people could eat different kinds of food because there was an energy source. But imagine life without an energy source. Imagine life without power. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to stress that the Holy Spirit is a person, sometimes we've neglected the fact that he is the power of God. He is the electricity of God. He is the power of God. Now imagine a life without power. Genesis chapter number 2. We are talking about something interesting, and I must mention that this month, we are in the book of Acts. The whole month. We are in the book of Acts, and in addition, we're going to be having a meeting, I've just forgotten the date, I think it starts January 13th, is it? I think. I think the calendar will be sent to you this week. I think the whole church will at least get to see the calendar. So as you are planning your Chilanga Mulilos, you don't plan it on Dominion Conference Day. Because me, I won't change Dominion Conference. <laughs> Pastor, can't you change it by a week? <laughs> We've already 
secured our date for Dominion. So we'll send you our calendar. Okay? Not in a party mind that the church is not supportive. But you put it on the exact date. As in, the exact date where you know. Okay. Somebody say glory. Glory. Okay. Um, we're going to be having seven days of fire. The meeting will run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will have a Holy Ghost Sunday. I took quite a while uh, to pray, even before preaching today, because there's just something special that the Spirit of God is doing, and I've just been yielding myself. Last night, uh, I spent time singing, I'm simply devoted to you, my Lord. I lose my life to follow you. Life that I live is not mine, but yours. For me to live is Christ. And I was just praying, Lord, we have to raise those giants this year. So this is the first one. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Now, I'll also advise us if we've not done foundation class, if we've not done orientation, and if we're not in a cell, to kindly find ourselves in those spaces, because a lot of what I'll be teaching will be revelatory, and then those programs will be doctrine, and then these will be revelatory. Are you aware that there are certain levels of revelation that you can't get to if people are not grounded in doctrine? Do you know that it's scriptural? Do you know that there are some verses we should have read, but we never read, because there are some people who are not grounded in doctrine? Can I show you? Look at Hebrews 5. I actually had, do you remember that time, is it a few years ago? I had a dream, and in the dream I was teaching from Hebrews 12. No, Hebrews 11. And then I started sharing a revelation which even I had never heard. But then in the dream, people were distracted, and they were paying attention to other things. I think God spoke to me and said, because they are not paying attention, the revelation is cut short. If you teach them to pay attention, revelations will increase. That's the time I began to give looks when people start walking out to answer the phone when I'm teaching. Because it's not just themselves they are blocking. They're also blocking me from getting more revelations. That's why I give looks. I assume they are new. And it's day one. Either that or they are a doctor on call. When you're on a flight, no one can blame you for missing their call. Maybe you didn't hear me clearly. I said if somebody's on a flight, no one will be angry at you because you missed their call. You were on a flight. Do you know the levels you're flying to this morning? When When you're in an exam, there's a certain amount of time where sometimes you just hold it for a certain specific period of time. It's a period of time when no one goes out. Worse off, if the exam is crucial, you walk out at your own risk. Anyways, Hebrews 5, I'm just showing you something. Why I demand attention. 
this is an amazing revelation. Eh? Um, we were having communion at home, and I shared the scripture, and everyone was just like, whoa. I shared the scripture about Melchizedek. How many of you have heard of Melchizedek? No, I mean it. Like, how many have heard of Melchizedek? Just raise your hands. How many, this is your first time you're hearing the name Melchizedek? Raise your hands. No, don't be shy. Don't be shy. It's just, I'm just seeing the work I have. Raise your hands the first time you're hearing of the name Melchizedek. Okay. How many have heard the name Jabez? How many have never heard the name Jabez? Okay. How many have heard the name Methuselah? How many have never heard the name Methuselah? How many have heard Jericho? Okay. <laughs> Zexis. Zexis. Guys, Queen Esther, the place. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, Vashti. Okay. Uh, what's the name of that guy? Um, Onesimus. Okay. How many have read the book of Philemon before? Like you've just read it. Book of Philemon. Okay, that's why Onesimus. Okay. Don't worry. By the time we're done with you this year. I hope you are seeing the work. I think we introduced Bible quizzes. Others out of competitiveness will learn this stuff. So I'm just giving you an example of the places of revelation we can get to, then I get to the sermon. That's fine. So, are you aware that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Levi? Sorry, not in the order of Aaron, but in the order of Melchizedek. Now, let's start from verse 9. Maybe let's start from verse 4, 5, just somewhere there. Now, it's talking about Jesus being the high priest, right? Then it says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now from there you can also see that Jesus in eternity past was not the son of God. He became the son of God. That's why there was a specific day called today. So what's Jesus, what's the revelation of Jesus in eternity past? The scripture is very clear. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in eternity past, the first revelation of Jesus is as the Word. So in case there are some people who think like the, like the little boy Jesus in heaven, tell me if we need to switch. Okay, some people think there was like a little boy Jesus in heaven and he was walking with his dad. He said, Daddy, I'm going to grow up one day and then I'm going to go to earth. That's not the case. Praise God. I'm waiting for the signal or you can write it for me. 
Now, let's go on. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the order of Jesus' priesthood is Melchizedek. That's why the emblems Jesus used for his priesthood are the same emblems as Melchizedek. I'll show you. Next verse. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Next verse. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Uh-huh. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Somebody say the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> now, the order of Melchizedek, look at Genesis 14. And then look at verse 17. This year, I want us to go deeper. Now, it says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Chedolaomer. I'm sure Faith will put that in a Bible quiz. And the kings who were with him. Next verse. Then, watch this. Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Bread, wine, that's communion. This is my body broken. Wine, this is the blood of the new covenant. So he brought out bread and wine. Next verse. Uh -huh. And blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham God Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. That's the blessing you then find in Romans 4, where it says, that's verse 13, where it talks about how Abraham was given the world. Priest spoke the blessing. In the very next chapter is when Abraham has the encounter with God. In, in chapter 15. Now, this same Melchizedek, look at, go back to Hebrews 5. Now, look at verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Next verse. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. What he's trying to say is, there was more to say about Melchizedek, but people needed milk at that moment. Because if you give meat to a baby, they will choke. But if you give them milk, perhaps the milk will help their bones become strong. What am I trying to say? Honor the systems we've created. They will make you strong enough to take in some of this stuff that we're talking about. So I've just given you an example of Melchizedek. Can you imagine how many other things are in the Bible which we can discover together as we continue paying attention to the word? Today we're in Genesis 2. Let's go. So next time you're taking communion, know that that's the highest emblem, because that's in the order of our high priest. And that's what Abraham took. And after Abraham took the communion, he was blessed. And then afterwards, he had an encounter with God. Praise God. Now, Genesis 2, verse 4. 
Now, Genesis 1 gives more of a summary, but in Genesis 2, we see a bit of an expanded version. And like I said, I'm giving it to you in a very revelatory sense. We're talking about the Holy Spirit as our life source. Now, it says this is the history of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Uh -huh. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. I want you to observe something. I want you to observe something. Have you ever heard people say, God, we just want none of us and all of you. Like, just none of us. I think they used to start, initially people would say less of me, more of you, right? And then they changed it. They said, we are tired of less of me and all of It's now none of us. Now, I get their context. And I think they are quoting John the Baptist, right? Although in John the Baptist's context, what happened is John the Baptist was the prophet of Israel. And then Jesus came as the Messiah. And then John the Baptist said, look guys, I was the sign. I was pointing towards him. So now I must become less. He must become great. So that was the context. Right? Now, this scripture shows us something, the scripture before, that usually... God does not send the rain if there is no man to till the ground. In short, if you want a tsunami of healings, then you have to raise men who actually go perform the healings. Because the earth he has given to man is not given to angels. They can come and help us out. They are ministering spirits, but their role is to serve us here on earth. They are ministering spirits. They are not the ones to do the work. You want, you are praying, oh God, we need salvation. We need people to get saved by their thousands. Then you need people to evangelize by their thousands. That's why he says, the harvest is plenty, the laborers are few. Meaning the trouble is not the harvest. God has designed the harvest to respond to the laborers. How do you think you responded when we shared the gospel with you? You were designed to respond to this word. Somebody say glory. But that's not even the context. Next verse. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground And breathed into his nostrils. Before he breathed into his nostrils, what was there? There was a man who was formed. But there's something that happened when he breathed into him. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
He went from being formed to being alive. Now that breath which God breathed, which suddenly began this supply of oxygen, which you don't find on the moon, which you don't find on Jupiter, which you don't find on the planet Mars, that breath which was breathed in was the breath of the Holy Spirit. And that is proven in the book of Job. In Job 33 verse 4, Job says something. We are going somewhere. Job 33 verse 4, he says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So the Spirit of God kick-started the supply chain of life here on earth. I want you to picture God has formed man and the man is over there on the ground and is there fully formed but lifeless. I don't know whether God did CPR. I don't know how he breathed into him. But then God, I want you to picture God now. And he looks at the man he's created. With everything he's ever designed, everything he's ever, everything he's ever thought of about what the man should be. And for the man to be what God dreamt of. For that dream of God to become a reality. God looks at the man. And then, <sighs> breathes his spirit into him and man became a living being now in the same way I want you now to picture Christ and the church for three and a half years following the labor of the prophets and the law Jesus labors on earth and as Jesus is laboring on earth, he's got a picture of the kind of church he wanted. And he would often talk about this church. He talked about a church that had authority to cast out devils. He talked about a church that had authority to heal the sick. He talked about a church that would change the world. And for three and a half years, he keeps forming. He keeps forming because one of the things that the word of God does is the word of God forms. It says in Hebrews 11 that by faith we believe that the worlds were formed by the word of God so that that which is seen was made out of that which is not seen. And we are also told in Romans 4 verse 17 that he believed in the God who quickeneth who quickeneth dead things and calleth things which are not as though they are. So now, for three and a half years, Jesus is forming. He keeps talking about the church he's going to build. The word church is the Greek word ecclesia. And ecclesia is sort of like, it's like a council. It's like a governing council. And Jesus keeps thinking about the church he's going to build. The one that will picture what was said in Isaiah, that the government shall be upon his shoulders. Shoulders of what? The church. And he keeps picturing the kind of church he wanted. And he does everything that's necessary as a high priest for the church to be born. His blood is shed in seven different places. 
with seven different meanings, which I think we have shared before. Not so. How many of you remember that we shared on the seven times the blood was shed? You remember, right? For the sake of those who are lost, we've got number one. Number one. Okay, let's start with number one, the sweating. He sweated blood, right? And what was that symbolic of? Should I remind you very quickly because we're talking about what he did. So he sweats blood and sweat is always symbolic of labor. And we know that grace is a divine exchange. And so it showed us that where he labored, we were entering rest. His feet shed blood. That was for dominion, among other things, because feet are symbolic of dominion. It says, wherever you tread your foot, you shall possess. Not so. His hands shed blood. That was for the blessing of our hands. Remember, man's hands had been cursed by God in Genesis 3. Where else? A crown of thorns on his head. Now they can't be a curse upon us because cursed is the man who hung on a tree. And that's why on our heads now there's a blessing. The beard on his face, now that's symbolic of intimacy. Because now we'll be able to have an occasion where we can experience the face of God. And the face of God is symbolic of intimacy. The stripes on his back by his stripes were healed. And then he was stabbed on the side. And the church was born. Why? Because even when God wanted a wife for Adam, he was open on the side. Similarly, when there was supposed to be a bride for the Lord Jesus, he was open on the side, and water and blood came out. And water, we know what water is symbolic of. It's symbolic of the word, and it's symbolic of the spirit of God. Guys, these are just like basics that we're going through in the scriptures. So Jesus has worked hard for his church to be born. Picture this. And then he's resurrected at this point. And as he's resurrected, he begins teaching his church for about a period of 40 days. He's still talking to them, appearing and disappearing. Like you wouldn't know when Jesus would appear for a sermon. You find about a nice slice of T-bone, boom, he's appeared. And one of the guys says, oh, she was just from one minute and puts it away. I don't know if I get, there's always that guy in the group. Praise God. <laughs> now, Jesus prepares his church and then says something very interesting. At that point that the church is prepared, I want you to picture it like man being formed and is on the ground. Then he says something interesting. Now we're in Acts 1. We're building just to come to Acts 1. Acts 1 verse 1. Oh, Theophilus. I wrote to you in my previous account uh -huh, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Verse 2. Until the day which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What did Jesus keep talking about? The kingdom of God. That's why we have dominion conference, by the way. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, of which he said, you have heard from me. Follow this, ladies and gentlemen. 
Jesus did not permit the church to start functioning as the church until the promise of the Father came. Why? Because this promise of the Father, verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. To be baptized is not just to be immense, it's also to be introduced. This promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is the very breath of life which when breathed into Adam caused him to be a living being who could now reproduce after his kind. What does Jesus do? He tells the church to wait until they receive the breath of life. And then they had a question which I will explain, verse 6. Although I'll explain it further the day we go a bit further in this topic. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? How many of you are aware of why they asked this? I've explained it before. How many of you are aware that the nation Israel for about a thousand years did not exist as the nation of Israel, including that period. Okay, how many of you have seen on the news that there's, um, they, there are always fights over the Gaza Strip between Israel and Palestine? How many of you, how many of you have seen that? How many of you know the origin of those fights? Hallelujah. How many of you know that you can trace the origin of that fight to the Bible? You know that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a bad dialogue. Let me just give you a picture so that you see what they were asking about. Now, after Solomon sinned, with all that wisdom, he still sinned and started obeying the foreign gods of his wives, of which there were many. Almost as if he had a wedding every day. No, there were many. No wonder Jesus had to come and say, this was not so in the beginning. In the beginning, he made them man and woman. A lot of what you see next was perversion. That's why the Bible says death reigned from Adam to Moses. And then afterwards, it was the law. It was perversion. Now, let's continue. When Solomon sinned, a prophecy was given. And the prophecy was that the 12 tribes of Israel would be scattered across the world and only two tribes would remain. And that's why right now, if you have to go do your research, you'll find that there's what is called the 10 lost tribes of Israel. And there are people around the world who claim to be among the 10 lost tribes. There are some in Zimbabwe. There are some in Ethiopia. There could even be some in your village. Now, for the two tribes that remained, God then gives prophecies which you can see in the book of Ezekiel and in, and in Isaiah. And in the prophecies, he explained that they would be scattered across. And then he begins to explain that there will be something called Zionism, which is 
people will start coming back to Zion and Israel would be a nation again. The nation of Israel would be restored to being a nation. So now Israel kept changing hands. In between Malachi and Matthew, Israel was in captivity. And that's why the word was preserved through text, but it was also preserved believably. It was believed to be preserved through the Pharisees. That's why Jesus would correct things and say, you have heard it was said. You have heard it was, it was said. He was correcting some of the things the Pharisees had said. Oh my God. And so between Malachi and Matthew, there are 400 years. Then after they were taken over by that kingdom, next came the Roman Empire. So as at the time Jesus was ministering here on earth, the nation of Israel was being colonized by the Roman Empire. That's why when you read the scriptures, you'll notice a lot of things that are compared to things that are Roman. For example, the armor of God, that's a Roman soldier. Praise God. And then the Israelites were waiting for a Messiah who would liberate them from the Roman Empire. They kept thinking, one day they read the scriptures and they kept reading, okay, one day the Messiah will come, one day the Messiah will come. And when the Messiah comes, he will liberate us from this bondage. We will no longer be under the rule of the Romans. And so they were expecting the Messiah to come as a lion, but he came as a lamb. I don't know if somebody is getting the so it was like, okay, if you're the Messiah, do something. And that's why when King Herod heard a rumor that the Messiah was potentially born, he decided we need to eliminate all babies because if what was said about this guy is true, I'm done. Are you now seeing the mindset? And that's why when the Israelites were saying he's saying he's the Messiah, they were going to the Romans and saying, he's saying he's the Messiah. You know what that means, right? He's saying he's the Messiah. And so the Romans were like, mm, if this guy is saying he's the Messiah, then we're finished. And that's why they were mocking him. Like, if you're truly the Messiah, where is your army? Where is this? Where is this? Where is that? Okay. So now, notice, Jesus comes, and rather than introducing a physical kingdom, he begins by introducing a spiritual kingdom. That's why they would ask him questions like, hey, you're claiming you've got a kingdom. Now, if you're claiming that you've got a kingdom, then where is it? And then he would respond by saying things like, the kingdom that I'm talking about, you're not going to say there it is or there it is, but no, this kingdom is within you. So Jesus introduces a spiritual kingdom. And for this spiritual kingdom to have life, it is powered by the Holy Spirit. Now, he tells them, guys, wait a bit, and then the Spirit of God is going to come and you're going to be baptized in the Spirit. And after he tells them that, they ask a question saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you now seeing the context of that verse? They're saying, okay, fine. So he's like, are we now going to go beat up the colonial masters and stuff like that? Are we now going to be free? Praise God. By the way, if then you're going to study it further, you realize a time came in the 1900s when a movement called Zionism happened and Israelites went back to Israel, but they found the land was already occupied by Palestine. And so they fought off each other and 
they began to occupy the land and began to rule it. And the day they declared themselves a nation, there was a war that started against Israel. Almost the entire Arab world started a war against Israel. And this was a new country. How they won that war, no one knows till today. And that's why there are fights over things like declaring Jerusalem as capital city and all that kind of stuff. That's a bit of the history. But then when it went to the UN, for the UN to decide whether to recognize Israel as a nation, the challenge is when they read through history, they discovered that over a thousand years ago, there was a nation called Israel. So they found proof of ancient Israel, which is talked about in the Bible. So that's where the challenge is coming in. These are saying, it's our land. The other one's saying, no, it's our land. We're here a long time ago. No, it's our land. So it's, I hope you're not getting it. But you can see even how it ends through the scriptures. It's scripted. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that question is quite important because if you are to study the scriptures and you are to study the end of times, you will notice that there is a big part that Israel has to play in that. Because what's happening is that the Lord Jesus will take his bride and then the father will take his. I speak a mystery. But read in the scriptures what God calls Israel and what Israel means to him. How God could tell Israel, you've committed adultery. Okay. And then also take time to read Romans 9 to 11 and you'll see why we had to believe first. Okay. We've got, we're in store for something this year. Eh? Now, that's why you notice that the moment they talk about restoring the time, the kingdom to Israel, Jesus then begins to talk about the end of the, the age. Notice what he says next. Verse 7. He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I'll show you the meaning of this soon. Verse 8. But you will receive power. Now, why have I given you this entire history? Because most of the times, we just open the Bible and go to our favorite verse. So you find my favorite verse is just, ladies and gentlemen, but you will receive power. And that's it. So all I know is that I will receive power. So that shows you that at this point, the church was not yet functioning in power. The power was to be received. Now, I want you to follow this. It says you'll, be, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you read it from Luke's translation, when, in the book of Luke, he actually says, wait until you're endued with power from on high. And you shall be witnesses to me in, all Jerus in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. I want you to observe something Jesus is saying there. Here we are, we are the apostles, and we are in Israel, and we are under Roman bondage. And Jesus says, okay, you guys can begin the work as soon as the Spirit of God comes. So like, look, how are we supposed to do that if we are under Roman bondage? How are we supposed to begin this work? and establish your kingdom when we're already in another kingdom. And so he asks, are you now going to restore? And then he says, listen, it's not, about, it's not about that. The father has set times in his own authority. But 
you will receive power. And then he's saying something about when you receive power. He says, you become my witnesses. And he starts with Jerusalem, the very place where they're in bondage. He's saying, even in this place, you will flourish. And then he tells them to stop thinking Roman Empire. They will go beyond all the borders of the world. And they will spread this message. Because the Holy Spirit's power was going to supersede whatever bondage they were in. Some of us may be asking, hey, Lord, we don't know what's going on with the world. This year, Omnicron, the next year, Bodicron, the next year, Chloricron, and all that kind of stuff. Like, are we going to survive? Like, some of you here may be asking, Lord, is today the end of it? Can tomorrow be the end of it? Since this is the year of the latter end, can, can the next day be the end of ABCD or the next day be the end of ABCD? And God is like, you're looking at the wrong thing. God is like, you're looking at the wrong thing. Look, he may not be able to give you a debt when it will happen, but there is something significant that will happen. You will receive power. Some of you will be shocked. Now that flight prices are high, you'll be amazed how you'll be flying all the time. I've had two of my biggest conferences ever in the midst, three, in the midst of a pandemic. Same crazy stuff. Okay, we're not, we're not yet even going to the baptism of the Spirit for today. What I'm trying to say is, he says you receive power when the Spirit of God comes. Power. The church which the Lord Jesus has formed is powered up by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus, who is the Word, had formed his church, but be, did not permit it to start until the power of the Holy Spirit came, turned on the lights. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear this. As breath is to a human being, so is the Spirit of God to the church. He is our life, and he is the power that animates everything the church is and uses. He brings to life God's dream. The dream church Jesus had and has is brought to life by the Spirit of God. And he starts first by generating us. And then he also powers up the equipment that we use. And the equipment that I'm talking about is not mics and projectors. It's those weapons of our warfare that the Lord has given us. But the first thing that he does is, you see, where there is no power, where there is no energy, where there is no life source, there is no life. There is no life. I was reading somewhere that if the earth 
was removed from the position that it's in now and placed in a random position in the world. No, not in the ear, in the universe. And especially if it's not near a life source, it would probably just be a hard rock floating. There's a reason why we were strategically positioned where we are as the Earth. Have you ever experienced no electricity at home? What's the longest you've ever experienced no electricity? Sorry? Three days? Anybody else? Six days? Hey! What's the longest? Anyone? Anyone who's ever experienced more than six days? Seven days? Yeah. Six months? Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Okay, wonderful. I hate it when there is no power. I don't know about you. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I hate it. I feel very limited. I can't have the Zoom meetings I want to have because my laptop will go down after some time. It can only be up for a limited period of time. As you know, power has affected me before. I remember one time there's a meeting. I thought I, oh my goodness, that meeting I was hurt. I think I was with Pastor Lastins. By then he was, he was with me. And I was invited to minister at Skyfa. And I was doing, I was invited to minister virtually. And power never used to go. And then I never charged my laptop because there was no power at the office. So I go home, we set up. My battery, phone battery was also low. We are just about to start. We've just said one or two things. Power cut. I never had a ring light by then. So we start trying to get those to my bulbs. And I felt bad. I'm like, oh my goodness, they've invited me. They've put me on a poster. And then this is the nonsense I deliver to them. Simply because of my lack of preparation. I now overprepare for anything. I feel bad. So I call the chairperson. I'm like, I'm sorry. But the person's like, no, pastor. As soon as everything is okay, just come back online and do it. For the devil to fight this meeting like this. And I know there's, <laughs> I know there's something you have to say. Ah, wait. I said, we honor the grace. And I think we eventually started, then power came. And we managed to do the meeting. After the meeting, I was just thinking, well, these, these guys will never invite me again. I'm like, <laughs> last on their list. They invited me, dressed in me. Yeesh, and it was powerful. And then I also thought there was probably no one I ministered to. Then I get a text. It was, uh, where is Grace? Emasiko. That's how she joined our ministry. That day, God shocked me. I'm like, what? Because when I was sharing, obviously, I was no longer feeling it because I was now like a bit slightly <clears throat> emotional. Slightly, just a little bit. <laughs> the other time I felt a lack of power was um, the time when there was a lockdown and we had to be doing uh, church from 
home. We converted home into a studio and we started having services. Then, there was a power never used to go. Or we knew the timetable for power going. And one time I'm preaching and the way it was there was if those days, if the network cuts, eventually they'll give you a signal, pastor, stop, the network has cut. And then you, they check, and then you find it cut for like three minutes. So you have to go back to everything you said three minutes before. <laughs> but then there was one midweek service where I'm teaching, and then power cut for one minute, and everything was disturbed. And I forgot what happened. We couldn't get back the network. Jen said, I don't know what happened. That day, I went and sat in my room for a few hours. And I was just thinking, how? How could I do this? I was supposed to deliver a word today that would deliver someone. That would bring healing to someone. That would bring hope to someone. As in, my goodness, I gave myself a lecture for two, three hours. And it's almost as if a few people have studied me. I came online and found I'm on my statuses. Pastor, we love you. Hey, Pastor. <laughs> Said, Ava. <laughs> what am I trying to say? The moment there is no power, there are certain things we can't do anymore. The power system in the United Kingdom, if my memory serves me right, from what I researched, is such that the companies that have been given to do power have been given a maximum number of time in which power can cut in a year. In total, for some of them, it should not go beyond four minutes. If there is no power in London, and London is where the World Stock Exchange is, what do you think will happen to the markets all over the world? Do you know how much money Facebook lost when they had a system failure and they couldn't come, I think we couldn't log on to Facebook for like a day. You know, apparently they lost a lot of money by the billions. What am I trying to say? Power. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever experienced no power? What happens to the meat? What happens to the to my tempers around? No power, it's hot. There are mosquitoes. And the power bank is drained. Or there is one bound the power bank and there are six of you. Ladies and gentlemen, on a more serious note, what would happen if there is no electricity at the hospitals? What would happen if it cut even just for an hour at the hospitals? and there is no backup. Are you aware that it's by the power of the spirit that your human spirit is regenerated into a new one the day you're born again? How many of you know that there is what the Bible calls the regeneration? How many of you have seen that word in the scriptures? Regenerate or regeneration? I first came across, I think for me when I think of regenerate, you know what I think of? 
uh, back in the day, when we used to play a lot of games on the computer, there was this thing called cracking a game. We never knew that you could buy stuff online. So if you want to play FIFA 15, or is it, what is this, FIFA 09, FIFA 10, I'll just wait for Shemaya to get it. And then Shemaya will like, <laughs> no, they were the ones who used to crack in Zambia. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And then what would happen is that there would be this thing it would come with that would generate codes, unique codes. And then when you click it, it generates a code, and then that code causes that thing to function. And it's a unique FIFA game on that unique PC, which can't necessarily be copied to another one. I'm just trying to get you thinking about generation. Barcodes are generated. You, you guys know what a barcode is, right? No, you have to make sure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there is what is called the regeneration. Look at Matthew 19, verse 28. And the regeneration happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 19, 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration, somebody say the regeneration. He's talking to his disciples. He says, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you also who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In the regeneration. Now interestingly, you may be thinking, of the regeneration only beginning in that time. But look at what happened to your spirit. Look at Titus. I've never read the book of Titus before. Guys, sometimes all these books, just get them off your bucket list. They are so short. Feeling one is one chapter. Titus is like three or four. Titus 3, verse 5. So leaders, this year let's start having some reading plans. I think we need to encourage some people to read the Bible. I'm not impressed by how little people are reading the Bible. And they've got Bibles everywhere, on their laptop, on their phone, on their tablets. Titus 3 verse 5. And that then just apply to say all ministries. That's one of the things we'll be doing in the six-month questionnaire. How how many chapters, how many books have you read this year of the scriptures? Okay, Titus 3 verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, maybe verse 4, for purpose of context. I just want to say something. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so what happened? The day you encountered the Holy Spirit, the, the day you, you, you decided, okay, Lord Jesus, the work Jesus did already finished. So the one who comes into play now is the Holy Spirit. And what does he do? Because he's the Spirit of Christ. He regenerates your spirit. It's like the code is changed. I don't know if you're getting my point. That's why the old man is considered dead. He's no longer there because the code has changed. There's a regeneration. It's not the same code as before. Who's ever used uh, maybe two-factor authentication? 
for Facebook or something like that. I usually use that because people have tried to hack my Facebook a lot. There was a time I lost some money because some people hacked my Facebook. No, I got it back. So I, I usually use two-factor authentication. Now, if you're using it, every time you log into your Facebook, it will give you a code. That code lasts 30 seconds. It's a unique code. The moment it's regenerated, the old code is no longer the code. It's now the new code. Some of you have, have seen that. Even maybe when you're trying to log into certain things, it might tell you, insert these numbers. The moment the time expires, those numbers are no longer the numbers. It's now another one. That's the same thing that happened when we encountered the Holy Spirit. He regenerated us. No wonder, no wonder Paul can say we no longer know a man after the flesh. And that's why you find that sometimes the people who receive the least, as I've said sometimes, the people who receive the least are those who become familiar. Some people right now, your breakthrough can be with your brother. But from the time we ordained your brother deacon, you've never once just said, deacon, pray for me. So is Micah bro. Yeah, well. So the power of God, who is the Holy Spirit, is the one who supplied the energy to regenerate us. Then apart from us, the Holy Spirit also supplies power to everything that we do. So as you are looking in this room, if I told the media team and just generally our service team to turn off the power from the main source, as it stands, my voice is being powered by the genset, right? And then some of the things are being powered by electricity. So if electricity goes, we're not, sorry, if Cisco goes, we're not affected in terms of the voice. If we told them to turn it off, it means that light which is supposed to be shining. It means this microphone, which is supposed to send signals, which are amplified, which those signals are converted into the energy of sound, and they're all able to hear it, will stop doing that. That projector which is supposed to be projecting stops projecting. In short, without power, there is no function. Power supplies our function. And so, Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. That's why the moment the Spirit of God came, what's the first thing we see? They start speaking in strange languages. Before the, after they start speaking in strange languages, 3,000 people give their lives to Christ after Peter preaches. What's the next thing we then see? They go to a gate called the temple called Beautiful. They pick up a man who was not walking for so many years. And they say, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give unto thee. What did they have? They had power. My friend, what's inside of you? What are you able to give to the world? What are you able to tell someone, look, there's something I can give you that's beyond materialism. There's something I have in me that I can give to you. And notice Peter and John didn't even say, okay, sit, we're going to pray and something will come down. No. They're like, such as I have. Have you noticed that in that verse they didn't pray? And then afterwards when they were asked, they were like, why do you marvel as if it's by our own godliness that we have done this? And then they begin to speak about the name they've believed. And what happens when you call upon the name of Jesus? The Holy Spirit responds. So he is our life source. 
is our life source. You take him out, the church has no power. You breathe him, the church starts lacking intimacy. You quench him, the church starts lacking fire. Don't worry, we will, this year we will teach do not grieve the spirit, we explain what it is. We will teach do not quench the spirit because you can also quench the move of the spirit. And sometimes, can I tell you how we quench the move of the spirit? When we think that heaven is organized the way the earth is. So for example, in the book of Acts, there were 120 of them and they were praying and they prayed so loud that the whole city heard them. And the city came and thought they were drunk. That was God's definition of order. But problem is sometimes we think God belongs to a denomination. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit electrifies and he powers all the functions of the body of Christ. And we'll end with Zechariah 4, verse 6. So how is a Christian, I'll ask that after we read this. Now let me ask it now. How is a Christian able to live a holy life? By the power of? Who supplies the energies? The, who supplies the convictions for a Christian to do away with addictions and bad habits? They did say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So who supplies the power and the convictions for a Christian to live a, a godly life? The Holy Spirit. Come on, you can answer with more conviction. I've already given you the answer. Surely even when you're given the answer, you should lack confidence. What will you do in an exam if you're lacking confidence here? I will say it again. Who supplies the power for a Christian to live a godly life? Have you noticed that when the church was acting in a very bewildered manner and practicing sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 6, in the Corinthian church, and what used to happen in the Corinthian church was interesting because you would have to study the city of Corinth. And when you study the city of Corinth, it was a very busy city. And what used to happen in that city is that there was a temple and the sacrifice to the God of that temple was sexual intercourse. And so the temple had temple prostitutes. And so most sexual engagements would take place from the temple because the temple was practically like a brothel. And there were people who used to work as temple prostitutes, both men and women. Now, with that in mind, I'll come to this verse. I'm just going to show you how he powers up even our holy life. With, I'll, I'll come to that verse. With that background I've given you, observe Paul's argument. In verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 6, I think verse 12, it says food for the body and the body for food, but God will destroy them both. Then he says the body is not meant for sexual morality. Right? Next verse. We're not there yet. 
or First Corinthians 6. I just want to show, show them something. Because this year I'm talking. Ladies and gentlemen, am I not allowed to talk this year? Okay, next verse. And God both raised up the Lord and also raised us up by his power. Uh -huh. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? And he says, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot, a harlot is a prostitute. Now I understand why he was using the word prostitute a lot, right? So do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now that also shows you something. One of the worst effects, according to the Apostle Paul, and according to what I've read in the scriptures, which I believe, one of the worst effects of sexual immorality is that you lose intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, he starts by saying, he who is joined to a harlot is one with her. And then he says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one with him. Is one spirit with him. So you lose intimacy with the spirit of God. Then he explains why in the next verse. Free sexual immorality. This one he doesn't say bind. He doesn't say uh, speak a prayer. He doesn't say you are a machine. He says flee. That is why you observe that the approach that we take in this church is a very um, conservative approach. Let me tell you what I mean. What I mean is, if you're a couple, you're about to get married in this church, and I keep seeing photos of you holding, holding each other, a certain way. I'll send a message. I'm like, what's up? I I'm serious. I am going to send a message. Do you know why I'll do that? Because human beings are naturally progressive. And then you ask the couple and they tell you, sir, we plan to marry in the next five years. I'm like, mm. <laughs> year one. Uriapa. <laughs> Two months later, someone is on your back. You think what will be happening to the two feelings? No, seriously. The next year, when we, whenever we come to visit you for campus ministry, we are always together in the campus room, just sitting on the bed watching a movie. Guys, be serious. I'm not talking about things I'm joking about. I'm talking about things I've seen. And, and, and you know, I've realized that Christianity is no respecter of title, is no respecter of positions. I've been to places before where I, I don't talk. <laughs> I don't know. No, it is well. No, it is well. I've been to places before where you, you wonder, like, are these guys married? People are literally married. All the things that go on in these boarding houses. which parents are sweating at home, working hard to send money for people, just for people to be married at their boarding house, washing someone's clothes.
Anyway, let me just continue the scripture. I'm really just trying to show you the power of the spirit. There's actually a point I'm trying to prove, but I'm, I'm just giving some wisdom here, guys. Um, I'll tell you this. I honestly don't want a church in which people keep falling, especially in this area. And the thing is, this area, in terms of falling, it's very predictable. It's, it's, it can never be accidental. That's one thing I'll tell you. Maybe we'll have a meeting where we'll talk about it. But it can't be accidental. The reason why it can't be, unless uh, someone is violated in a non-consensual way, it can't be accidental. That's why it didn't happen on the road. There is a specific place where it will happen. It's not accidental. Okay, so it says flee, sexual immorality. And then people say, I've heard some people say, hey, sometimes pastors will emphasize this. Every sin is the same. We all have that dark secret. This one, but then, then, then the Bible says, every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. In short, it's worse. How do I know? Notice whenever, notice whenever the scriptures talk about sin, it's usually mentioned first. The works of the flesh are obvious. They are adultery, fornication, then the rest are mentioned. Colossians 3 verse 5. Flee, kill, deaden. I'm using amplified. Every evil desire lurking in your members. Those animal impulses. And what's the first one mentioned? Fornication. And it says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's, it's so clear. Now let's continue. Verse 19. Oh, do you not know? Notice. They were profaning in a temple. And then he tells them something important. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Spirit? Meaning, yes, one flesh, eh, sota, all that stuff, most of it is true. But the biggest reason is that your body is the temple of the Spirit. I was explaining to someone, um, and I was explaining to him, to them how it is well. I was explaining to okay, I'll talk. I was explaining to them how you on earth, you who's born again, uh, and I heard this first from Pastor Daniel, and I said meditating on it. You who's born again are. Uh, a dimension of Christ here on earth. That's why you are called the body of Christ. And the members are you. That's why Paul said, shall I then take Christ? So you who is born again are a dimension of Christ on earth. <coughs> so now, it's not that you are Jesus. It's that you are part of the body of Christ. Because Jesus is the head and you are the body. <coughs> so what then happens is that everything that you do is now representing something that Christ has done. It's like one government official may say A, B, C, D, and what we'll say is government has done this in that area because that official in that moment is representing government. So now, in this area, when you say, shall I then take Christ, what happens is this. If a person um, decides to do these things outside marriage, it means what they're saying is government of Christ has not honored the marital bed which it's supposed to honor and has dishonored it. 
And then you know what ends up happening? Any person who's exposed to the dishonor you've done may not just have a problem with you. They may have a problem with Christ. They may have a problem with Christ. And then it means they will have a problem with all of us. So there are some people right now who can never listen to anything I share because they got exposed to a dimension of Christ gone wrong. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, why have I shared this? Whenever God releases such a message, it's never for your condemnation. It means if you're in this place and this is the stuff you've been practicing, stop. Let me just give the look again. Stop. That's what it means. And then you may be asking, how, Pastor? The power of the Spirit. And then somebody here may perhaps be struggling with condemnation from a previous life that was like this. It's very easy to deal with it. Do you know how you deal with it? Anytime the thought comes of you claim to be spiritual but you did ABCD, you lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. You saved me even from that. Because in the scriptures we are told that the cure to the spirit of heaviness is the garment of praise. So you praise God for how he delivered you from it. That's how you get rid of that condemnation. It's like when you're always thinking of that exam you almost failed. You start saying, okay, but Lord, thank you. I'm saying this because you have to be careful. Because if you wallow in condemnation, you easily go back to sin. Because any person who thinks they are dirty will easily play in dirt. But there is a revelation of when a person baths. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be finishing. Zechariah 4 verse 6. Can you tell that this year is on a different level? Now it says, Zechariah 4 verse 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Fredubabel. Oh, Zerubbabel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, put your name there. This is the word of the Lord too. No one has got themselves. No one has added the bell. Like, make, it, make your life interesting sometimes. One, two, three, go. This is the word of the Lord too. So that side is Krista Bell Bell. <laughs> Whose name sounds nice with it? Johanna Bell? Jabulani Bell? I think Philippa Bell. <laughs> Who else? We call it. There is no Chanda Bell? No one? Okay. So it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, what's the word of the Lord? Not by might, not by power. Stop singing. But by the spirit of the... I know you are singing in your head. Some of you... Okay, fine. I'll give you permission to read the verse the way you want. Because I know some of you are doing this. Okay, one, two, three, go. This is the word of the Lord too. What's the word? Uh, Anything is possible. (laughs) We have moved. I say we have 
Okay. Now, I say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In short, your supply of energy. Somebody may be asking, what's your plan for the year? How are you going to manage to do all those things? How will you win all those souls? How will you make all those transactions? And you say, it's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit. Now, hold on. Hold on. Look at the very next verse. The guy, the guy didn't end there. The moment he knew his supply is the spirit. He then turns and says, who are you? Oh, great mountain. Come on, add your name. What's your name? Before? Before? You shall become a plain. And because the Holy Spirit is the supplier of grace, it then says, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. What is this showing? That the moment a person is charged up by the Spirit, what was a mountain becomes a plain. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are some batteries that just can't charge up certain devices. They are too low. There are some energy sources that are too low for certain devices. The most complicated machinery on earth needs a constant supply of power. And when it comes to power, power is not a one-minute experience. As it stands, as you are seeing the lights in this place, it's because there is a constant flow of power. The power is not cutting short every one second. There is no interruptions in the power. That's why you are seeing this the way you are seeing it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are taught be filled with the Spirit. Not once a while. Not every Sunday. Not every Wednesday. But be filled over and over and over and over and over and over. You start walking in the challenged up power. The body of Christ is so sophisticated that only the Holy Spirit can power it up. That's why the moment we put the Holy Spirit at the side and we ignore Him, what starts happening? You start losing power. The body of Christ, that destiny of yours, it's not small. It's so big, it can only be powered up by the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, today I want you to appreciate the Holy Spirit as our life source. Oh wow, what a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.